0: can be seated, I invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We'll begin in verse 6 in just a minute. In the movie Mr. Holland's Opus, it tells the story of a struggling, frustrated composer. He's trying to live out his life and write this opus that's going to be the crowning achievement of his career as a composer. And things are difficult, so he takes a job as a School teacher, just to make ends meet to provide for his family, but his passion and his heart is to do this opus, to compose this wonderful piece of music. And he goes to school and he puts in a half hearted effort and uh, just really goes through the motions. And he ends up being there for over 30 years. And when it's all over, the movie wraps up with a a look at how the, the students over those 30 years have been impacted by his life. Had they not been impacted, if he had gone on and been a composer, But he was a teacher instead. His life took a different turn and ended up in the movie, Impacting Lives. Well, I want us to look at one of those God-ordained, God-appointed, God-divine detours in the lives of some missionaries in the New Testament and how God used it for his glory and ultimately for our good. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. The they here is speaking of Paul and Silas, his missionary team, and they've taken on Timothy at the first part of uh, chapter 16, so the, the three of them are now going on this missionary endeavor that Paul has planned. It's the passion of his heart. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia and were prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message in Asia. By the way, that Asia is not the continent Asia. It's, uh, it's uh, the area of Bulgaria, Romania, going up into Russia. It was a, a province of the Roman Empire called Asia at the time. Isn't that interesting? They were prevented by the Holy Spirit from taking the message there. Verse 7, When they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. That They are headed this direction and the Spirit prompts them to go another way and they go the other way and then the Spirit stops them again. Verse 8, So, bypassing Mysia, they came down to Troas. And during the night... A vision appeared to Paul, a Macedonian man. And he came over pleading with him, standing there. And he said, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to evangelize them. It's interesting, Luke is writing the, the narrative of Acts. And in that section there, it's the first of the, the we statements where Luke joins that team. And instead of just they, the missionary team, it's now we. So we have this team of four following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Well, I want us to look at six truths this morning about responding to those detours that God places in our life. One scholar called this passage of Scripture a description of one of the greatest events in human history. Another said the whole of history might have been different had Paul and his team not responded to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I believe that. Well, let's look at the passage. Number one, here's our first truth, following what they did. We need to follow our God-given passion in ministry. First thing to do, if we're going to respond and be used of God in a great way, we need to follow our God-given passion in ministry. Paul's passion was to take the gospel to that province in Asia, to, to go to the north and ultimately what would end up being Russia, the Ukraine. That, that's, that's where Paul's passion is to go, and he's following his passion. He's, he's set his heart and mind on that. He's gathered this missionary team, and he's going. If you're going to make a difference for the kingdom of God, if you know Christ as personal Savior, he's called you to do that. You need to follow that God-given passion. I looked up several missionaries this week as I was... Going through this passage and looked at Livingston, he, he had a plan to go to China to do ministry there, but God sent him to Africa, the great missionary of Africa. William Carey had planned to go to the South Seas, but God called him out of his cobbler's shop there to go to India and be the great missionary to India. Adoniram Judson had a plan to go to India, but God ended up placing him in Burma. Following their God-given passion, God redirected them. And that's what we're looking at today. Not one of those men would have ended up where God placed them had they not been passionate about taking the gospel somewhere. Somewhere. That was their passion, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I love what John Stott said about this passage. He said, Europe wasn't in the mind of Paul, but it was definitely in the mind of the Spirit. See, because this is where this great turn takes place instead of going to the north or instead of going, going off into the Russia. The, the gospel comes to Europe. It jumps continents there and comes to what ultimately would be the, the heartbed of Christianity and then ultimately impacting us. Following God-given passion and ministry, that's how God can direct you. If you're just standing still and the Lord wants to direct you, He's going to have a difficult time if God could ever have a difficult time in anything, but you know what I'm saying, about nudging you. If God is saying, I will nudge you to the left or to the right as you walk, and I'll direct your path. If you're not walking, he's gonna, it's not going to be possible. You're just going to stand there and get bumped around. But if you step out and you begin to follow the passion God has placed in your heart, God will direct you. Here's the second thing that he and his missionary team did that we need to do As we're following that god-given passion There's an openness there to seek god's will as you serve To seek his will as you serve This is not just uh, locking ourselves in our room and praying oh god do something great with my life One of these days god I pray that you would do something great with me This is actively engaged in ministry as you serve you're seeking the mind and the will of God. That's exactly what Paul and his team is doing. They're, they're seeking the Lord's leadership. And, and I cannot imagine, uh, and everybody, uh, scholars have all tried to figure out what, it, what God did in verse, uh, verse 6 there for the Holy Spirit to prevent him from speaking. And what he did in verse 7, how God's Spirit allowed him, told him not to come and go that way. We don't know how God directed But it was as they were going and serving, they were open to the Spirit of God. And can you imagine that team saying, okay, we feel called to do this, and they show up, and God is saying, no, not here. Well, we figured that one wrong. Well, how about over here, and they start going this way, and God's Spirit says, no, not here. And so you're you're the great Apostle Paul, and you can't figure out what God's doing in your life. Isn't that comforting? (laughs) To know that these missionaries... Paul and Silas, Timothy, Luke, these guys who, who God used in a great way, they were still struggling with discerning the will of God. But they found it as they served. If you want to underline or highlight another word in that point in the outline, it's as they served. They sought the mind and the will of God. That's a comfort to know they struggle with it because I struggle with it. To discern what God is saying. And they end up in Troas. That's not where they plan to go in Verse 8. Bypassing Mysia, they haven't gone on to, to the to first place, to Asia, then ultimately they end up in Troas, and there they are parked in Troas, we don't know for how long, but, but waiting on God to show them more, give them more clarity and give them more direction. Waiting on the will of God. I love what G. Campbell Morgan said about this. He said, it's better to go to Troas with God than anywhere else by yourself, than anywhere else without Him. See, Troas isn't where they planned to go, but that's where God had directed them. You might be someplace in your life right now and you can't figure out why you're there, but God has placed you there. And he wants to use you there. Be open, seek his mind, seek his will as you serve. Several years ago, we were still meeting in the gym and our nursery was a little bitty room. We had a need for somebody to supervise and operate the nursery on Sunday morning. So one of our ladies stepped up and said, man, I'll do that. And she stepped in and helped got the nursery kind of coordinator, got it off the ground and and began to serve there. And it wasn't too many months. She came and said, pastor, this is not my thing. I feel like God has shown me as I was serving these babies that he wants me to do something else. That was convenient, wasn't it? No. No, I really believe (laughs) Knowing her, that that's exactly what God was saying. But you know how she discerned God's will? She was serving. Some of you sit back, one of these days God's going to hit me with a lightning bolt and I'll know what to do for him. I, I don't want to sit there and get hit by a lightning bolt, do you? I'd rather be moving so he can kind of nudge me a little bit. Some of you might need a kick. But be in ministry. Be doing, serving. And seek his mind, seek his will. That's exactly what they were doing. They end up in Troas and and begin to, and they're in this midst of prayer seeking the Lord, begin to get more direction and leadership from God. Follow what God's called you to do, what you sense in your heart, it's your passion to do. Secondly, seek his mind and will as you serve. And thirdly, trust in God's guidance. Trust in his guidance. Some scholars have called this double guidance. Know and go. You ever get that? You're walking this way, no, not that way. Okay, Lord, what about over here? No, not over there. Okay, Lord, what about over here? Yeah, come on over. Have you found that's the way God works in your life? And you look at that opportunity that was, we use this term closed door. We look at that opportunity where there was a barrier or a, or a don't go here or, you, or the people aren't open there and you, you say, oh, no. I'm never gonna step out of faith and do this again. I'll never volunteer for that position again. I just it, it wasn't working. Instead, it could be God saying, not here, there. Not now, then. Trust his guidance. His timing is always perfect. we will say more about that in a minute. See, God was preparing hearts. The rest of the chapter shows some of the greatest stories of the New Testament that we learned when we were kids happened because Paul and his missionary team stopped in Troas and listened to what God was saying. And a man from Macedonia in that vision begins to prompt them to come over and help us. Listen, we need to rejoice when God says no as well as when God says go. We need to rejoice when there's a roadblock because it is a most likely a God-ordained roadblock in our lives. Those missionaries are standing at the threshold, at the time it was all the Roman Empire, but they were, in our day and time, on one continent, about to go to another, listening, sensitive. And there the call comes over from Macedonia, the man says, come over. He's pleading, the Bible says, in verse 9, pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us, come over here to this province. Because that's where we are ready. Number four. Fortunately, they were sensitive. We need to be sensitive to what God is saying. I have saying in quotes, okay? They necessarily didn't necessarily hear an audible voice. I've never heard an audible voice. Paul saw a vision. He communicates it with the team, apparently, because the Bible says after he had seen the vision in verse 10, we immediately made efforts to set out and sail to Macedonia. There was a... A, a consensus as the team came together and Paul shared this was my heart this is what I saw last night and the team said yeah that must be exactly what God's doing it, and and again he says we made efforts immediately in verse 10 we made efforts and set out because the Lord had called us be sensitive to what God is saying we've said over the years Following the model of Henry Blackaby in his book *Experiencing God*, that God speaks to us through by His Holy Spirit, through His Word, through prayer, through circumstances, and through other believers to show His will and purposes for us. That's Kevin's paraphrase. But God uses all those things, and He was doing that in the life of Paul. He was using circumstances. Now I've said this a dozen times, many more, I'm sure. Don't just rely on circumstances to discern the will of God. Don't just rely on open doors and closed doors, because God can close them, so can the enemy. God can open them, so can the enemy. Open doors, circumstances, is not everything. But you take circumstances, which what, was what Paul and his team were going through, and you filter those in with your prayer life, with what the Word of God says to you, and what other believers are saying. See, what, what we don't know how it worked out, but I, I can see Paul coming to the guys the next morning and saying, guys, here we are sitting in Troas. I know why we're in Troas. Because I saw a vision last night, and someone said, come over and help us. And what do you guys think? They said, man, it sounds like God's in this one. sounds like this is a God thing. So he listened to the body. He listened to other believers. Circumstances. His sense of what God was saying to him personally through prayer, and then ultimately looking at what the group had, the consensus of the group as they saw God's leadership. That's how you discern the will of God. Circumstances. Negative and positive, God's going to use. This decision to take the the engaged revival team out to Holiday Beach wasn't just something that just came to us. Uh, There's a growing conviction that's been on my heart for quite a while that that God wants to use me to help other pastors. And I've been praying for years how that's going to work and what that's going to look like. Uh, But I've just said, God, whoever you bring in my path, I'm going to help them. And fortunately God's brought some guys in my life and I've been able to encourage them and, and I just tell them, look, I don't know everything, but I, I'm here and I'll help you. And so God's put this conviction in my heart and I'm trying to process in my mind how God wants me to use that and he's used me in Wyoming to, to encourage Zachary Edwards there in that work and, and some other guys, some other young pastors, another one I met recently at convention and, and, then, and then Bill Gentry, Brother Bill out at Holiday Beach, he's, he just God just put us together recently and it seems like God is saying to me, Kevin, here's another opportunity for you to help a pastor in his ministry. So I've got that going on in my life. And then the circumstances with this team coming, and as we prayed together, it just seemed like God was saying, here's another opportunity to help a pastor. Another circumstance, I, I've gotten notes from some of our congregation, I've had conversations with some of you, and you said, Pastor, why, we go all the way to Wyoming, we go all the way to Thailand, why don't we help somebody close by that needs help? And I I agree. I'll say this. This is my this is this is my extra sermon today, okay? All right. So if you don't get anything, I'm as passionate about this as I am about this. It is not, do we go to Thailand and Wyoming or do we stay here? It's not either or. It is both and. See, if you'll read the Great Commission in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says go. It says take the gospel to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It didn't just say stay right there and it didn't say just go. It says you do it all. We're trying to reach our community. We're trying to reach our state. We're trying to reach our nation. We're trying to reach our world. So it's not either or, it's both and, okay? But part of one of those ands is here's an opportunity to help someone locally, help a church. I talked to the, one of the members out there last night and, and she said it's hard out here. It's hard work. And she just didn't mean physical hard work. She meant spiritually. You know what I mean? It's a hard work. And, I, and God was saying that to us as we begin to pray about that. So God seemed to be saying to us as a leadership team, and I shared that with the leadership team from the staff and then to the leadership team, and they were, yeah, let's do this. I called our state convention and said, we're going to take this team and not use them in our church. Is that okay? Well, yeah, man, Whatever. <coughs> Can we take them out there to that church that's not even in our state convention? Yeah, man, go for it. God was lining up the circumstances, putting on my heart, and speaking through the body. That's how we responded. Being sensitive to what God is saying. That's important to be sensitive. Remember that ship that was unsinkable? That's made history? They only had lifeboats on there for less than half of the people. 700-something we saved and 1,600-something people died. And the tragedy is that about 12 miles away, there was a ship that could have come to their rescue. And the radio operator had taken off his headset to take a quick snooze, apparently. And he missed the call for help because he wasn't alert and he wasn't listening. By the time he got back on the radio, it was too late. Folks, I don't want it to be too late for me. I don't want God to be knocking at my heart And I've checked out. I don't want him to be texting me. And I've got my phone on silent. I I don't want to be checked out when the Spirit of God is prompting my life. I don't think we want to as a church either. Be sensitive to what God is saying. Number five respond in obedience. Respond in obedience when God's will is clear. Verse 9 says, Paul had this vision, and this man from Macedonia, some have speculated who that is, we don't know, said, come over and help us, cross over and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts, immediately made efforts. That's not in there by coincidence. Right away, they decided, let's do what God has said to do. Listen, it's one thing to be sensitive to the voice and the leadership and the call of God, But it's another thing to be sensitive to the leadership and the call of God and respond in obedience. That's when God can use you. They made efforts to head out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to evangelize them. Concluding that here's where, by the way, the word evangelize means share the good news. Here's where God wants us to take the word. Here's where people are going to respond. Let's respond in obedience, they said. They said. Some have called that decision to obey that history-changing moment. I mentioned that. It changed the face of global evangelization. It became the place where the reformers, Zwingli and Luther and Calvin, transformed the church, reformed the church. It's been the place where Europe, where missionaries have been sent out to the world. It's been the place where whatever your understanding of church history those first who came over to America were looking for freedom. It, it, it was the place where Christianity was launched to America because Paul and his team were obedient. I've said it before, aren't you glad they obeyed? This could be communist Soviet Union if they had disobeyed. Respond in obedience. It's not always easy, but when it's clear, you respond. Respond. Pastor, where I grew up, used to tell a story of a young lady who was called to missions and she went through all the plans and preparations to go on the mission field. And she was done, and it was years ago, so she's ready to set sail to the foreign lands to share Christ. And she gets word that her sister has died in another state. And she drops everything and goes to be with her sister's family and finds out that her sister left four small children. And she said, That's my calling. And she gave up her plans to be a missionary, a lifelong dream to be a missionary in foreign lands and stayed there and raised those four kids. I'm sure she struggled with that. I'm sure she thought, God, I thought you called me to be a missionary. And I've had to give that up, but this is what you want me to do. Interestingly, as those four kids grew up, one by one, they each went to her. And said, Auntie, I think God's calling me to be a missionary. one, Two, three, four. So instead of one going, God sent four. See, she didn't understand it, I'm sure, but she was obedient. Respond. Number six. When we do, we can take the gospel wherever there are open doors. Take the gospel wherever there are open doors. Again, the last part of verse 10, concluding that God had called us to evangelize them. It's interesting, if you follow the account there, as they end up in Philippi, they show up to Lydia, her small gathering there in a place by the river, some women praying. The Bible says in verse, um, verse 14 that the Lord opened her heart. See, here's, here's what's happening. God is ready. God has is, God is prepared hearts People are ready to hear the truth. And all Paul and his group had to do was listen to the Spirit of God and respond. Because they showed up and, and they didn't have to put on some big push. They just showed up and there were some people already studying the Bible, already reading Scripture, already praying, already reaching out, and their hearts were opened. And then you follow the story on and you see the story where Paul and Silas are arrested and put in prison. And that, that jailer there in Philippi, in verse 30, after the God shows up, he says, Sirs, what, was, what must I do to be saved? God had prepared his heart. Don't miss this. God is preparing hearts today. He's preparing hearts in Holiday Beach for that team. God's preparing hearts in your community, where you work, your neighbors. God's God's preparing hearts. They're ready to hear. We just need to respond in obedience and take the gospel where there's that open door. Are you fulfilling? Are you serving in your God-given, God-called passion for ministry? Are you sensitive to the Spirit of God that he may be prompting you to change things up, to go a different direction? And are you willing, when that's clear to you, to say, God, I'm, I'm willing to obey, just like that young missionary lady did. I'm willing to do whatever you call me to do and respond in obedience. Because if you will be, I promise you, it's clear in the Word of God that no one comes to God unless the Spirit of God draws them. There are people waiting to hear. And God wants, the Bible says he's unwilling that any should perish but all that come, all would come to repentance. Here's what God wants. God has this open heart, ready to hear the truth. And he has us, some of us wandering around in the wilderness. Some of us getting nudged, some of us getting bumped, some of us getting kicked. And he's trying to get us over there. Because there's somebody with an open heart and open ears and all he wants us to do, all he wants to do is put us together. And you have an obedient, willing witness, a a person ready to share Christ with a person who's been prepared. That's what he wants to do. Just be available. Just be open. Churchill, when he heard the news that Japan had bombed Pearl Harbor, he was sympathetic to what had happened, grief for the families, but this is what Churchill said when he heard the news of Pearl Harbor. Now we will win. Now we will win. See, because he saw that once America put full effort into the war, there was no stopping the Allies. He's, in, in a sense, he was saying, this is, a, this is a history-changing moment. Japan bringing America in to that degree, into the conflict. Now we will win. Let's don't miss those history-changing moments. Let's don't miss that opportunity when God wants to change someone's life and eternity through us. Those God-given detours. Let's respond. Will you pray with me?